It's extra drama for book number 36, Last Chance. I am back again. Two Marissas coming at you. Marissa Flaxbart on this side and Marissa Wasilek-Stewart on the other side. <laughs> I said your name for you too. That's fine. You want to say both our names now? So we both said both of our names. <laughs> Hello, it's Marissa Wasilek-Stewart and Marissa Flaxbart. Two Marissas. Two Marissas. Price of one. Two Marissas, two introductions. <laughs> that makes four Marissa introductions. Just like Sweet Valley, you get double the fun. Yes, this is great. Probably I should have just asked you to be like my Sweet Valley podcast partner from the beginning, and it would have just been so much easier. Yes, the answer is yes. Oh my god. Because <laughs> scheduling a guest every week is a real pain in the ass. It's not that much. That's why I don't you know release the podcast every week, actually. I'm here now. You call me. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that in the main episode that you have recently relocated to Southern California. Yes, this is a. I, we drove all the way across the country. We we did every all the way from Washington D.C. Uh, we took the southern route. We went down toward Jacksonville and all the way across. We drove um, all the way to Los Angeles. Amazing. I it, I can't even believe we did it. Yeah. <laughs> and mostly my husband did it. <laughs> it was. It is a long road. Well, there was a more direct way that we didn't take. Um, we actually um, wanted to see, because neither of us have really been through the South. Okay. Um, so, and the last time Andrew, my husband, went across, because he's actually done this drive before, he went straight through the middle. Um, Oof. Yeah. He was going the other way, actually. <laughs> he was going from Los Angeles to um, Washington, D.C., okay. and he had, like, went through the, like expanse of middle America. Sure. And I have, I, sorry, when I say oof, I have done the drive many times, not all the way from, from the East Coast, but from Chicago to New Mexico so many times in my life. Oof. And uh, <laughs> there are parts of it that are very like, boy, there's nothing to look at. <laughs> as soon as I ran out of Wi-Fi, I felt like I was not, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are city people too, so that, that is part of it. During your time in D.C., you were working for this uh, place, it's a, a not-for-profit? Yes. First Book. It's a social enterprise. It's an organization called First Book, and I still I still work for them, technically, even though I'm over mm-hmm. three hours behind. Um, <laughs> and I tell you, the work ethic is very different between coasts. <laughs> We'll talk about that later. And we um, provide books and educational resources for children in need. So if kids are growing up in a um, community where uh, where the community is 70% low income, um, we can help out the schools and the community um, like um, programs and things like that with things like books, number one, new books specifically, not just like here's the used books that we're already done with, but just the same things that people who are growing up in affluent neighborhoods would have. So sort of, sort of equalize the playing field. So we believe in equal education for all kids. And um, what makes us a social enterprise is that there's a nonprofit arm um, where we work with other nonprofits and corporate partners and things like that to fund um, all of our projects, all of the all of the um, book distributions that we do, but we also have a for profit arm, which is like a marketplace where we can actually sell books and materials. We sell basic needs products and things like that for a deeply 
discounted rate. So your typical picture book is like fourteen ninety five, which is out of reach for sure. growing up in a low income neighborhood. Fourteen ninety five is not something you're going to pay for like a sixteen page book um, when mom and dad are having trouble paying the electric bill. Right. So what we do is that we purchase them in ball for a deeply discounted rate from our publishing partners. And um, then we're able to resell them just to make it back so that we can make it back to zero or for a small par- uh, margin, because there's a lot of um, lot of work that goes into being able to put it up on a website. And you know, so sure. So anyway, that's the inner workings. That's what the difference between a social enterprise and a nonprofit is that the we actually have a for profit arm. It's kind of like Tom's shoes in a way. Oh, okay. So, like, the buy one, give one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, so the people that are buying the books are helping to support the... Yes. ...the whole thing. That's wonderful. Yes. Um, What is the age range? Like, do you have books that are, like, of the kind of, like, length or demographic that Sweet Valley High would have been for in the 80s and 90s? Uh, Yeah, we have books for 0 to 18. So, um, oh, wow. okay. yes, yeah, so we have a lot of YA books. Um, and one thing that we do, like we actually have to read all of the books that are on the marketplace because <laughs> just to see number one, number one, we have to see whether or not it's worth, worth it for us to purchase because if we're not going to be able to sell it to the, um, people that we serve, then it costs us money to right. keep it in the, in a warehouse. Sure. And, um, so we actually have to read all of the books and look at it with from a lens like, can this be used in the classroom? Would this reach a child? <laughs> ah, yes. So the question I have is, how does Last Chance stack up to that scrutiny? I would say. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Uh, I would say Last Chance uh, would definitely be something that we would accept if it was donated. That's great. <laughs> See, hear that Last Chance? <laughs> You're doing okay for a, <laughs> gosh, 20, 30, 33-year-old book. Oh, wow. Yeah, 33. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I just remember 1987, and it makes me feel really old well, because I have remember memories. remember it, but just barely. Yeah, I'm sure. I was watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit over and over oh again. God, so that's, I love that movie. Oh, my God. I was just thinking about that movie recently. I haven't seen it in so long, but I saw it so many times when I was It still holds little. up. I have Disney Plus now. <laughs> Is it on there? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I will watch it. I mean, I don't have Disney Plus, but I'll find a way. <laughs> I mean, the only reason to have Disney Plus is for The Mandalorian, and now that the season's over, the I, I mean, I can only watch Toy Story so many times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think you were telling me before we started recording that there were some, like, trends and themes that popped up in Last Chance that actually seemed like they maybe would hold water today or aligned or something with things that you notice in, like, modern books. Yeah, so... Um... Okay, so like I said, we we have to read every book with that lens of like how how would this be used in a classroom or how would this help support um like like themes or cuz there are sometimes I expected this book to be very like like pulpy, very it's just what you read at the beach or whatever and sure. it would just <laughs> a lot of them really are. Yeah. And uh, and I have memories of of these books and how I like um even as a kid would read it with, but I'm just a person who, who, uh, as always has that chip on their shoulder about like, yeah, right. That would never happen. Uh Um, but I, I was reading this book and a, a lot of things, like a lot of things came up that, um, 
made me feel like it still, like you said, holds water um, for kids today. Where, um, But I don't know if I really understand kids today as much as I read their literature. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that's something that it's not a perfect parallel, but there is something to it. Like, if we are what we read on some level. I don't know if that's true. I mean, that's a whole other question. But it's definitely an interesting thing in reading these books where we are kind of getting a lens on something about the culture at that time. Even if it's not realistically what teenagers were like at that time, Mm -hmm. it is telling us something. So I can only imagine that reading books about that are like the books that young people are consuming now tells you something about them. Yeah. Even if it's not descriptive as much as like prescriptive. Yeah. Yeah. That Um, makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, I, uh, I mean, coming back to Last Chance, I feel like the thing that really resonated with me was that was Joanna's strength. Um, yeah. <laughs> like how at first I thought that she would be that mousy person throughout the whole book. Um, but when it came to the end where she's like, you know what? It, it, I just like I wanted to pump some Ariana Grande because it was just like, <laughs> I love me now. And, <laughs> and that's what I need. And yeah. and I understand that. And I'm uh, and, and I'm moving forward with that. And I felt that that's such a strong message for girls today that a lot of them don't even hear today because um, they're all like watching, you know, freeform or something where you fall in love with a vampire and you're in love with that vampire forever no matter what (laughs) the vampire is much older than you (laughs) much older than you (laughs) um yeah joanna is such an interesting character so i had an interesting thought about joanna early on in this book which is that if i had an older sister it is entirely possible that that could have been my family dynamic. Because I come from a family where we had a a great love of music, of humanities, of of puzzles. There's a high value, I would say, placed... Not not a, a high value placed on, like, intellectual pursuits just because, like, that's something that seems like a goal. It's just, like, an interest that I know, like, my dad and I really shared. And my mom passed away when I was 15, which is about, like, just a little bit younger than Julie Porter would have been when their mm-hmm. mom died. Um, and so it's like, if I had this fictional sister that was a year older than me who was really into science or just like got bad grades or whatever like that would have been that would have been my family and it was interesting it gave her a sort of human gave the whole problem the whole conundrum a human thing for me to think about it that way it just so happens that the story in that sense like had these very faint parallels to my own bio yeah I was interested in their dynamic because like I've felt uh, I've uh, I also lost my mother in my early 20s um and I felt like thinking that your mom was the only person who understood you like like I can remember having those feelings and mm. feeling othered like by the people that you feel like you should be closest to so um I really I, I felt like a kinship with Joanna in that way where she's like nobody understands me even though she's like totally wrong about that because obviously Elizabeth Wakefield has yeah. got her number Furthermore, the Porters both love Joanna much more and understand her much more deeply than she thinks they do, or they want to at the very least. Joanna Mm -hmm. sees that the dad and her younger sister have this deep tie and have so much in common and always have, and she feels outside of it. But there's also a part of it 
the, uh, the problem that is of Joanna's making, which is that she isn't even trying to let them in because she's so sure that they're judging her, that they don't care about her, that nothing that she can do can ever matter to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we actually see the dad speaking with Joanna finally toward the end, or even Julie trying to relate to Joanna, we can see that there is a lot of love there and concern. And it's not really, things are not the way that Joanna sees them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she's even discovering that she doesn't, her idea of her mother was different than, like, because when she read her mother's, you know, diary, she's like, I didn't even realize that my mom cared about, like, even the, um, just one little paragraph about, oh, I just wish that my daughter would go back to school. Yeah. Um, And it's not even, like, for her. It's not even, like, oh, I can't believe my daughter didn't. Because, like, like if it were my family, it'd be, like, I can't believe you dropped out of school. This is embarrassing for me. Right, right. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, yeah. No, but Joanna's mother, even as she writes on her diary, for eyes that no, no other eyes but her own, mm-hmm. she's even then very genuinely saying... I think it was a bad choice for Joanna and for her life to drop out of school. Because she sees in Joanna, yeah. like, she's, Joanna is throwing away, like, her own potential by leaving. But she's not going to be like, Joanna, you're throwing away your own potential by leaving. Yeah. Because she respects her choices. Right. In a weird way. I think that <laughs> that aspect of Joanna's character, that she is mis- like actively misunderstanding what's going on in her family and at school because she feels out of place and she has a low opinion of herself because she's so caught up in what she thinks other people feel. Like all of that like inner working of Joanna's mind to me feels like the thing that makes me the most like happy about the co- the idea of young people reading this book, even modern young people, is that you learn, like, I think people could really relate to that, like, young girls or boys could actually really relate to that feeling of inadequacy. And if you then are, like, plugged into Joanna's emotional state, then you get to sort of have the same, like, change and catharsis that she goes through. Yeah. Yeah. I And, yeah, I just really think that... Um... <laughs> Like, there are other themes, too. The fact that she's interested in science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, yeah! <laughs> but, like, they kind of glaze over that, too. She, she um, every once in a while, she has a, a great, like, insight. Or, you know, she's learning about how to make sugar cubes or something yeah. like that. But, um, you know, all of that is sort of a, a back, like, a a sort of like subtle detail because the story is really about her love for Peter. Right. So this is probably but Mr. Russo does encourage her to like go to study science in college. Yeah. Which nobody's even batting an eye about the fact that he's suggesting she should go to college, which was not even on the table for her, you know, a week ago. Let's give a round of applause for Mr. Russo who took the initiative to write a letter to her father. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Go, Mr. Russo. (laughs) He's like, I believe so much in this troubled daughter of yours that I'm going to step in this is like just just to give her compliments. And the letter's not like I'm worried about Joanna. She has potential, but she has to stick with it. It's not like that at all. It's just a congratulations. Like, I want to make sure, Mr. Porter, that you know that your daughter is showing a real aptitude in this area. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's those teachers that take the extra step. Yeah. Maybe in that way we would put it on the marketplace because we do love teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, now I'm talking about work. I can't. 
That's okay. We started the conversation about it. I need to separate myself. (laughs) Well, this has been so much fun, and I love how it sort of naturally spiraled into a a very deep analysis of uh, the character of Joanna Porter. And we're giving this book a lot of credit, a lot more credit than I tend to be willing to give any particular volume of Sweet Valley High. I'm surprised by how much I enjoyed and, like... And, like, I would actually pick it up again. I, I highlighted things Yay. and wrote little notes that was, like, I wrote, I had a little uh, debate with myself about who was the bigger asshole, Jessica or Peter. <laughs> and and then I decided... the debate? Jessica. I was... Because, like, <laughs> she was just making trouble. Yeah. She was just being a dick for dick's yeah. sake, you know? And Peter... I couldn't hold it against him that he just was a teenage boy unaware of his feelings. But he had no emotional intelligence. Exactly. Whereas Jessica has emotional intelligence. It's just that what it is telling her is kind of... just She just goes... Ex- she's a, a self-centered. Yeah. She's far too, She's far more self-centered than Peter. She's assuming that her the way she sees things is the way everybody does and or should see things. But that's very typically Jessica. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... Narcissism is what we call that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about Sweet Valley High. Oh, I'm so excited. Please (laughs) let me know anytime, especially if it's about Jessica. I really (laughs) lots of thoughts. A nice Jessica heavy book where Jessica gets to really shine. Maybe like a Jessica Bruce sort of because like they have this weird dynamic. Oh my goodness! (laughs) It's like yeah, like a love hate dynamic that just pulls you in. We'll see what happens. What happens after book fifty? Well, or after I mean, book forty. Oh, Bruce God. has already like uh, he has that girlfriend who struggled with her um, being deaf. That's right, Regina Morrow. Yeah. So I don't know how long he's with her, but at some point, <sighs> maybe somewhere in the seventies, Jessica and him come back together. Yeah. And it's like secrets well, and lies. Bruce and Regina can't stay together forever. Oh, that's all I'll say about that. Okay, let's read that book. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, it's coming up very soon. All right, well, I'll see you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listeners, like, start girding your loins for book 40 now. Um, Okay. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. And Gladiators, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. It's extra drama for de- <laughs> uh, I like your voice. You have oh, you thank have- you. <laughs> like when you when you intro and when you like exit, you're like, this is my broadcaster voice. I like that.